We've got this. Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. We've got this. Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. We've got this. Finding a way. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Cervical Wellness Podcast. It's Danelle. Today I have another interview for you. I'm really enjoying um, having conversations with other women who are in fields and doing things regarding women's health that one, I want to learn about and two, that are very important aspects to the cervical healing journey and just the pelvic well-being journey that I don't necessarily have an expertise in. You know, one person only has so much time to do research and deep, um, you know, deep study in certain fields and to be able to find other people who specialize in aspects of the pelvic healing journey that I don't is really special. And, you know, there is definitely overlap and definitely um, places within our bodies of work where we, you know, find common ground. But these sorts of interviews and conversations I find are very important to continue to provide nuance and context for all of the aspects of the cervical healing journey. And today, I am so excited to introduce you to Tamara Vanderlucht, who Tamara is a functional nutrition and fitness coach who owns a one-on-one coaching business that specializes in helping women balance their hormones, heal their gut, and make strides towards their health and fitness goals. So I got connected with Tamara through Omega Zumpano, who on Instagram is Cycle Coach Academy. And she, Cycle Coach Academy, um, trains fitness coaches to work with women regarding their hormones in cyclical nature instead of, you know, working within the realms of kind of bro science and very masculine man-focused types of fitness and exercise. And I reached out to Omega last year to find someone to be a guest teacher in Cervical Wellness Online Live to teach about how can women exercise and move their body in a way that is healthy for our cyclical nature. Because within the cervical healing journey, movement and exercise and taking care of our body with physical strength and stamina and endurance and flexibility is very, very important. It's not just about nutrition. It's not just about doing the psycho-emotional work, but how can we strengthen our body? And so Tamara uh, was a guest teacher last year, and she's actually going to be a guest teacher again for this cohort, fall 2023, of Cervical Wellness Online Live as well. So in this podcast episode, you're really getting a little bit of a taste and introduction of Tamara and her work. She is very active on Instagram, which I will link her um, you know, Instagram link below. But as you will hear and as you see within her work, she is very, very focused and extremely knowledgeable about the um, 
the braided intertwining of movement and strength and hormones and nutrition, how these all play a very, very important role in the well-being of female bodies. And so in this interview, we talk about this interplay between movement and exercise and strength training and, you know, going to the gym and, um, you know, working out our body as well as focusing on hormonal health and nutritional importance. And I really appreciate the approach in which Tamara takes with this because, you know, so many fitness coaches out there that I have seen, which it's slowly starting to change now, which I'm grateful for, but have been very focused on, you know, you know, just drink protein shakes and work out as hard as you can, no matter how you're feeling or where you're at in your cycle as a woman and, um, you know, carb load or, you know, I don't know, all these different fitness trends that are detrimental to female well-being. And I am someone who has gotten caught up in that in my time of being an adult on a pelvic well-being journey. And I did, you know, talk about that in the last episode with Sina regarding, you know, metabolism and metabolic living. Uh, but, you know, these trends that we see of, of ways of treating our body oftentimes are not the best for us. And Tamara really breaks down uh, the importance of uh, structuring our movement and our nutrition to support our hormones and metabolism, which then supports the actual uh, end goals we are wanting to achieve with our fitness and with our strength. So this episode is for you if you are a a woman who (laughs) wants to learn more about how to take care of her body when going to the gym, when exercising, when, um, you know, wanting to achieve fitness goals and are maybe confused <laughs> by all the different things that are put out on social media and their internet regarding how women should take care of their bodies. So as I mentioned, Tamara is a guest teacher. This round of Cervical Wellness Online Live, which is now open for enrollment, Uh, enrollment opened on August 1st and will go until September 1st. We begin with the opening call on September 5th and the program is nine weeks long. It is an intensive where every week for nine weeks we meet for uh, two calls or, you know, two calls are available. One will be a teaching call, either from me or one of the guest teachers. And then the second call will be a office hours call, which is a time where you can show up to witness and be witnessed, to be coached by me, have all of your questions answered, to be in the community of women and share what you're learning, what you're experiencing. Um, not to mention the group Telegram chat, which is open and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week for those nine weeks where you know you will have a space where you are not alone. You are not alone on your cervical healing journey as you are going through the content, as you are um, you know within the course program, because there is 
besides the teaching and the office hours, you get access to Serva Kiwanis Online, which is the course that we will be going through uh, week by week in the office hours. So each office hours is actually um, delineated or allocated to one of the modules in the course. Uh, however, you can come with any questions or concerns or um, you know need of support in any way. However, as I said, each office hours will go to one of the seven modules uh, within the course. And, you know, this program, I call it an intensive because it is, there is a lot. We go into a lot. There is a lot that is done and uncovered and processed. And this program is for you if you are really seeking uh, the fire to be initiated within your body and your timeline towards healing abnormal paps or healing your relationship to your cervix and deep pelvis. You do not need abnormal paps to be in this program. However, do know that like some of the content is tailored towards that, but you can always utilize that content to just like for preventative measures to never, ever, ever have to worry about cervical dysplasia uh, or, you know, HPV um, ever again. That is my intention and goal with this program. It is Cervical Wellness Online Live, uh, learn and heal via the way of cervix. So like I said, enrollment is open now. There are payment plans available. If you have any questions upon looking at the course landing page, which is linked below, please feel free to email us. We are happy to you know, go into whether or not this is right for you. Um, answer any questions that you have, concerns, this sort of thing. Like I said, enrollment ends September 1st, and then there are a few days in between when we begin on September 5th. As soon as you sign up, you do get access immediately to the course content, and there's bonus content as well. So you can even start to dive in immediately if you want to start to go into the information, the practices, um, the meditations, this sort of thing. <clears throat> But questions won't be answered until the first office hours, uh, the week of September 5th. Alrighty, friends, without further ado, I would love to introduce you to Tamara Vanderlucht, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I know I really enjoyed speaking to her, and I learned a lot. So let's go. Enjoy. Have a good day as you are listening, and let me know what you think. All right, here is my interview with Tamara Vanderlucht. Hi, Tamara. Welcome to the Cervical Wellness Podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. I feel like your work and the information that you put out into the world is really important for women to know. So I'm like very, very excited to have you here. Um, to begin, I would love to invite you just to introduce yourself and your story, like how did you get into the work that you do and anything about your background that is relevant to what you do with women today? Yeah. So my story in a very, very condensed version is that I basically grew up overweight. So I was not very confident in myself and in my body. So I 
decided, you know, when I was in high school, after being told by doctors and, you know, that I needed to lose weight, my BMI was too high, which by the way, is a terrible measure of anyone's health. Um, but I took matters into my own hands and started dieting in very, very poor ways. I made terrible choices with my relationship with food and I, that deteriorate, deteriorated very quickly. Um, I fell into a few eating disorders and this kind of continued to repeat itself in patterns in, in similar patterns over the next few years. I even competed in a bodybuilding show, which resulted in me having several, you know, hormonal issues afterwards and a few years of dealing with that, with those things, um, and even some gut issues too. So, I put my body through the ringer in, by doing very, very poor things with my with nutrition and exercise and basically under eating for extended periods of time, over exercising. And so somewhere along the way, I developed a passion for making sure that other women don't do the things that I did and don't basically make the same mistakes. So that's where um, my coaching business was born. And I started Tam's Fit Fam to really just help women um, create healthy relationships with food and um, balance their hormones, heal their guts, and just make sure that you're taking care of your health first before uh, prioritizing any like physical goals. Mm. I love that so much. And I'm sure so many of the listeners will relate to the part of your story regarding, you know, being young and being self-conscious about the way we look and us not looking like the women in the magazines or on TV. And especially then having doctors tell you that your BMI is not where it's supposed to be. You know, I'm pregnant right now. And I have actually been facing this with people telling me that I'm like gaining too much weight and, and, but it feels okay to my body anyway. I just really appreciate your approach um, to exercise and nutrition because it's very uh, grounded and holistically based. And there's something that you have on your Instagram. It's like a tagline. I don't know if it's your official tagline, but you say you are helping women get stronger versus smaller. And I, I love this. I, I love that phrase. And uh, can you just share more about this approach? and versus stronger versus smaller. I, I think that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as I said, like my own history of just trying to get smaller and smaller and smaller and doing that in very unhealthy ways. Um, and once I discovered like better, healthier coping mechanisms or not necessarily coping mechanisms, but better ways to accomplish my goals, um, that mindset shift of trying to focus more on gaining strength and like be in the gym to build muscle rather than being in the gym to burn calories and to punish myself for eating, you know, a piece of cake the night before, which was something that I used to do way, way back in the bad <laughs> disordered eating days. Um, but, you know, just really focusing on that mainly the mindset shift of getting stronger and getting healthier is better than getting smaller at, with at any, ex, with any expense or with all the expenses to our health. Mm. And in your work with women, when women do start to say like bulk up or, you know, I just saw, um, a reel of yours saying that, you know, 
from like five, six years ago to now, you're actually like 10 pounds heavier than you were. How do you, how do you work with women or what do you say with women to kind of move through that mental block around the scale going up or maybe the clothes that you used to fit in don't really fit anymore because you are bigger. And I would let, yeah, I'd love for you to just share more about your approach and thoughts around this idea of being bigger, but stronger. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of women that come to me, they do want to be stronger and they do want to improve their body composition in some way. And a lot of that is, you know, happens when you build muscle. Right. And so what I say to a lot of my clients or even the women who DM me and ask me questions is, you know, like if you want to get stronger and you want to look toned or you want to grow your glutes, which is a lot of thing that a thing that a lot of women want and girl, I, I feel you on that, but, um, you, you, you need to build muscle essentially, because you can't look toned without having muscle to tone. Right. And so when you think of it that way, it's, it's then easier to come to the conclusion that muscle needs to weigh something. Right. And a lot of people say like muscle weighs more than fat. And well, when you have five pounds of muscle and five pounds of fat, they both weigh five pounds. However, the muscle looks a lot tighter, right? And it's takes up less volume than five pounds of fat would take up, right? And so when you think of like your fitness journey and you think of building muscle and getting stronger, you it's it's it makes sense that you would have to gain a little bit of weight because muscle weighs something, right? So you can't expect to grow your muscles and grow your glutes and have more muscle on your body without gaining some weight. And I think that there's a lot more talk about this in the fitness industry now than there was when I started um, my own fitness journey. And I think that that is a really, really beneficial thing because I myself have shared some progress photos of myself over the course of my, you know, probably like eight or nine years of my fitness journey now where I weigh like probably 20 pounds more than when I very, very first started. And people can say I look better and I'm not the only fitness coach that is posting content like this. So that is really helpful too, to see that like, okay, it's like social proof. You need to be able to see visually also like, okay, I shouldn't be afraid of the scale or of building muscle or of focusing on getting stronger and maybe bigger in some way that doesn't necessarily mean worse. Um, and just accepting that through seeing that type of content as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just in your personal journey, uh, in, in in being twenty pounds heavier and gaining more muscle versus focusing on being thinner, what have you felt in yourself like a difference? What have you noticed? Yeah, I mean, there still is some like self doubt occasionally. Sometimes I'm like, wow, is this like too much? And there even has been periods of that journey where I'm like, oh, uh, like, no, I'm, I've already been like advanced enough in my journey. Like I don't need to build more muscle. Like I don't need to gain more weight at this point. And then I just keep proving myself wrong that like, it's okay to keep doing that. And, And at no point in your journey is too much muscle, like as long as you're, you know, not using any performance enhancing drugs, <laughs> but as long, if you're a natural athlete or a natural, just physique, uh, focused person, um, who exercises, then 
it's like physically impossible for a woman to gain too much muscle naturally, you know? So other things that I have felt, I mean, like I've definitely felt, like I said, the, uh, let's start with like maybe the negative things and then I can go into the positives because I like to end on a good note, <laughs> but definitely there has been self-doubt. I won't lie and say there's been some discomfort too, you know, with like having to go up in sizes in your, your clothing. Like that's, it's, it's all mental too, because it's, you have to kind of think about what, why do you believe, <clears throat> excuse me, why do you believe what you believe about the number on the scale or about the size of your pants? Because nobody knows those things except for you do. So if you come down to like the real reason as to why you think that way, maybe you think that you have failed in some way because you aren't the same size. But again, like you have to think about like, am I actually improving in how I feel in my energy levels, in my mood, in my health, not just, and and even maybe how you, how you're looking too, using things like progress photos rather than just your pant size or the scale weight. And so pushing past that discomfort has been really crucial for my growth. Um, and then positive things that I have felt is more energy. I've felt stronger. I feel more confident too. And it really is empowering to go through a journey like this and be able to share my experiences with others on Instagram or with my clients, because it can be inspiring for others to just listen and learn and and know that like, okay, I am on the right path. I don't have to stay stuck in this mindset of being smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's the only measure of progress because it's not. Mm-hmm. Here, here, you know, when I, you know, what was it? Yeah. Maybe like 10, 15, 10, 12 years ago, I got really kind of obsessed with being thin, with being thinner and thinner and thinner. And then, you know, my body started to degrade in a, in a real way. And so once I turned it around to focus on more like weightlifting and eating, you know, more protein and like bigger meals to, to fuel the exercise, the, the change in my internal demeanor of like how I felt in my mind and in my emotions was, um, like a 180. And in a previous podcast episode, uh, one of our guests was talking about how, um, you know, when we women, especially kind of starve ourselves into submission and and like overwork ourselves, we start to become like a little airy or just like anxiety is increasing and like we are less grounded. And so that's what I'm really hearing in, in your share as well. Um, you know, your work, uh, Tamara, really focuses on healing hormones the, within women and our metabolism over just, you know, bulking up and having a nice physique. And uh, that's one thing I really appreciate uh, about your approach. Um, can you dive into how hormones, how hormones play a role in uh, weight and muscle building, and perhaps even touching on how, like maybe more of like the bro science, like the like the more man focused way of exercising, how that maybe isn't beneficial for female hormones. Because then we'll talk, we'll dive into a little more around like cycles and and um, and exercising, but specifically like how does hormones and metabolism play a role in, in your work and your approach and anything you'd like to say about that? 
Yeah, it plays a huge, huge role. Um, so I used to actually train in the very like bro science way where it was like, all right, you have a five day split, you do your shoulders and then you do your quads and then your glutes and et cetera. You touch every body part once a week and you always go hard and you're always focusing on lifting heavier and going to failure and you're eating the same macros every single day. And, you know, it doesn't matter what you eat. You, you just, you know, as long as you're hitting your protein, carbs and fats goals, then like you're good and you're going to see progress. And I did see progress for a few years, but then you hit the point where your hormones get in the way because it's not a conducive way for females to exercise. Um, hormones and metabolism are everything. And while you can see results, and I think that part of it is also your genetics too. Like some people, some women are more inclined to have more hormonal issues or more metabolic issues, um, versus other women. Like I do have some friends who still train that way and they don't really see I mean, obviously I don't know everything about their, you know, hormones and maybe they don't share that information with me. So I don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but from an outside, it may seem like, oh, well, other women can exercise this way all the time and be fine. But again, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Anyways, let's, let's put that side note on the, on the shelf there. But, um, but yeah, hormones and metabolism can really prevent you from seeing, from building that muscle and from, you know, making that muscle gain progress, I guess, because if you have imbalanced hormones, let's say maybe you don't have enough testosterone that can get in the way from building muscle, even as a female, female have females have testosterone, or if you have too much testosterone, then maybe that can lean into like PCOS territory. And, um, that can also be a bad things. Or if you have too much estrogen, or your estrogen to progesterone ratio is off balance, then that can cause a lot of weight gain around the hips and the lower abdomen and the thighs. And it can hold you back because you, your body is, it's not working efficiently. Um, and then in the metabolism side of things, our metabolisms are very, very adaptive. So if you are someone who is chronically dieting and is always under eating, whether you know it or not, uh, your body's going to adapt to that. It's going to perceive that as its new normal. And it's going to think, okay, well, if I'm, you know, if you're eating 1200 calories a day, that's going to eventually become your maintenance calories. And then when you go over that, it's going to be like, you know, you, it's going to cause some weight gain. So I also work with women to, you know, reverse diet, make sure that they're eating enough food. Reverse dieting is basically like just gradually increasing the amount of calories that they're eating so that their metabolism can readapt and upregulate to more calories, which is going to be healthy for them. It's going to help them build muscle. It's going to help repair their hormones. Um, and so working out in, in accordance to how our, menstrual cycles are, is also very, very helpful. And I don't mean in the sense that you have to completely do different things every single week or every single day that you're exercising, but accounting for the shifts and the fluctuations of your cycle throughout the month so that you can either adjust your intensity, or if you do want to practice like maybe yoga in the luteal phase instead of weightlifting, that's fine too. So it's really about learning and understanding the hormonal shifts that we have because women operate on a 28 
to 35 day uh, hormonal fluctuation cycle versus men operate on a 24 day, 24 hour um, hormonal fluctuation cycle. So we just simply cannot work out the same way for too long before it catches up to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which I think many of us are coming to realize, especially like I'm in my mid thirties and, um, I've been having a lot of conversations with women around my age about how, yeah, like in our twenties, you know, we pretended like we had this 24 hour hormonal cycle and treated our body in that way with, um, nutrition and exercise. And it just led to this cascade event of reproductive health issues, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, so like for you, how many days a week do you work out? So it kind of ebbs and flows for me. I try to be active in some way at least six times a week, but this type of activity has changed a lot from when I first started. Like I would not consider my quote unquote activity for the day as activity, if you would have asked me like three years ago. So what I mean by that is like, I try to walk at least every day, just so I'm not being super sedentary. So I have my walking pad at home and I, you know, as I'm working, I have my standing desk and my walking pad and I just walk and it's very low intensity, but I count that as some type of activity. So as far as like my actual weightlifting sessions, this is the least I've lifted weights in my life. Like since I started lifting weights and I actually only go twice a week now, um, to like to actually lift weights. Um, and then other than that, I do, I kind of like, I ask myself because my goals are very different than they were when I first started. I currently don't have any specific physique goals. I'm not trying to, lose body fat or even build a lot of muscle. I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. So I'm just focusing on maintenance and just enjoying my fitness journey and just health and balance and making sure my hormones are good and my gut health is good. So because my goals have changed drastically, I kind of just take it day by day. So I ask myself as I wake up in the morning, I say, how do I feel today? What type of movement is going to be conducive to where I'm at today? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's yoga, typically in that late luteal phase. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, you know, a high intensity leg day at the gym, which, you know, I just started my ovulatory phase. So that was definitely happening this weekend and I felt great doing it, but, you know, I can't expect the same thing from myself every day. And I think that has been very helpful for me. Um, so, so yeah, I do some type of activity at least six days a week. I like to give myself one day where I can just be completely lazy and not do anything because it feels good mentally and physically. Mm. Yeah. So when you like work with clients, when you work with women, is this like a general guideline that you invite them to follow or is it really more goal specific? I think it's more goal specific because not everyone has as like loose goals as I do right now. Some do. And with those clients, I definitely give them the same guidelines. Like I'm like, just kind of take it day by day, ask yourself. But a lot of my clients are a bit more beginner, I would say in, in the sense of like, they have specific goals that they want to achieve. And while I, I do, you know, educate my clients and I let them know that 
we need to focus on your health overall. And every client, when they come onto my team, they know that I'm not just going to throw them into a calorie deficit and be like, go run seven miles a day. Um, so you can lose three pounds a week. Like that's not how it works. Um, nor is that healthy. (laughs) So, uh, it definitely depends on the goals of the client. So if they have more specific physical goals, we will work on it, but, uh, we make sure that your health markers are in check first. And most women who come to me need to work on that first. So we, we do take a, we take a structured, a more structured approach, but, um, yeah, it just kind of depends on, you know, I typically, I don't really assign more than like five. I think five is even too much for women who have hormonal issues five times a week working out, I think is a bit too much working out in the gym, I should say. Mm-hmm. What are some other health markers? So like you said, like hormones, do you do testing or yeah? How do you, how do you, um, determine them? Yeah. So I have a pretty, I have pretty extensive questionnaires that will, you know, give you like, give me insight to symptoms that you're experiencing that you might not know are even symptoms. Um, so that's the first step. And we, I call that the metabolic stress questionnaire. And then I also have a digestive system questionnaire because a lot of hormone issues are really closely related to digestive health. So both all clients will fill those two out. And then we kind of based off of those scores that they get, um, it will tell us, you know, where we need to start with like testing. So if, if they score really, really high on their digestive system questionnaire, then we're probably going to start with a GI map and take a look at what is going on in their gut. And, um, then, you know, implement a protocol to be able to eradicate any gut dysbiosis, build up the gut lining, um, and make sure that, you know, that's good before proceeding to anything else. Um, and making sure we're managing stress as well, because stress is really, really closely related to gut issues and hormone issues. It's typically like the start or the root. If if you're stressed and you can't manage that, it's going to be really hard to balance hormones. So we'll do, you know, a GI map or, Um, blood work is also uh, a very crucial thing that I ask for from my clients, either before they get started with me or when they get started immediately, like we go and get blood work and we test, you know, we do estrogen, we test, test, uh, testosterone, total testosterone and free testosterone. We do a full thyroid panel. So we'll not only do we test TSH, but we also test free T3 and free T4 and TPO, which is something that not many doctors will test. And that can signal if you have Hashimoto's. So we do a full thyroid panel, um, as well as full sex hormones, you know, um, lots of other stuff. I feel like I'm getting into like, I love it. I love it. What I love about this is, you know, so many people will be like, Oh, like, Fitch co- fit coach Tam. She's going to like help me work out and get in shape. But your approach is, as I said, at the beginning is so holistic and you really do focus on the whole body wellness in order to achieve the goal that you want to achieve, which is one of the main tenets of cervical wellness is like, it's not just about this like end goal that you want is actually like your entire lifestyle and the whole well-being of your body to approach the end goal, whatever it may be. And in your circumstance, it's like 
the women wanting, you know, stronger body and maybe even more toned physique. And so I really appreciate you sharing the minutia of the types of details that you do look for uh, when working with clients, because I don't think a lot of women take into consideration all of these nuances when starting an exercise regime or like starting to go to the gym, like they don't consider how their hormones or their gut, um, uh, oh my gosh, like the uh, bacteria could be mm-hmm. affecting their experience mm-hmm. in weight loss or toning up or whatnot. And so I, I really appreciate you sharing this. Um, going back to um, cycle, like, um, movement with your cycle, uh, activity with your cycle. Can you just share more around this idea of like syncing your movement with your hormonal cycle or your menstrual cycle and how, what, what do you recommend to women who are starting to think about, okay, maybe I need to change up my exercise routine to be more female body supportive. Um, what, what are some thoughts around this? Yeah. So, um, I think that it's really all about learning to understand your body and understand your sign, the signs of that your body is trying to tell you. So, because every cycle is different for every woman and even like the same woman can have different cycles from one month to the next month. And it's really all about what's going on in your lifestyle. Um, because if you do have a month where you, I'll use myself as an example. I just got married last March. The month of my wedding was a very stressful month leading up to my wedding as it is for many, many brides. Um, so that month I had a long cycle. Like my period was late and I'm usually very, very regular. I also had lots of symptoms and I even ended up with a gut dysbiosis issue from all of the stress. So just, you know, understanding to read the signs that your body is trying to tell you is the most important thing when you're thinking of syncing your exercise with your cycle. Because like I said, it can be different for everyone. So some women feel very, very energized in that ovulatory phase and they, you know, are, um, they feel hot too. Like they are feeling social and they feel like they want to wear more revealing clothing because, you know, they're ovulating and that they have the best body image, but other women don't. And because ovulation is an inflammatory process. So some women experience what's called middle schmerz, which is cramping during ovulation in, you know, in, in your abdomen. Um, so it's about understanding the signs your body is giving you and then adjusting your exercise based off of that. So going back to what I said, you know, about how I handle my exercise currently, which is just kind of like, how do I feel today? Um, that's, I think is an important question to ask yourself while having a plan, because it's not, if you want to accomplish specific goals, you can't just wing it every day. And so there has to be a balance with structure and intuition. And I think that that is one of the like beautiful parts about this journey that I've learned over the course of the last few years. Um, because we, we, there is structure required, like I said, to accomplish goals. So you have to know your goals first, and then you have to understand your body, the phases that 
you know, you're going through. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, how well-versed your, your listeners are to the phases of the cycle. Should I go over that? Sure. Why not? Let's do it. Okay. So basically the first day that you bleed is going to be day one of your cycle. Typically, uh, a healthy menstrual cycle is anywhere from 28 to 35 ish days. And, um, the first day that you bleed, like we said, is day one. Typically the menstrual phase is that first phase when you are bleeding can last anywhere from three to seven days. And that being, you know, normal. Um, and then after that comes the follicular phase and that is another, you know, maybe four or five ish days. And then comes the ovulatory phase. Ovulation typically happens on day 14 and it is a one day thing. However, the effects and like the high energy and the positivity and the great body image typically lasts a little longer. So I like to extend that phase a little bit longer to like three to four days. So then we're looking at around days 17 is the start of the luteal phase and the luteal phase goes until you start your next menstrual cycle and a little bit of the characteristics of each phase. So typically the menstrual phase can be kind of, um, different per person. Like I said, the, some women actually experience lots of energy during the menstrual phase and they, um, you know, feel like they're stronger and they have more energy. Other women are really down in the dumps and they just are like, I can't even get off the couch. And if you do have very, very painful periods or heavy periods with lots of PMS before that, um, that's actually a sign that you have imbalanced hormones. So we might want to dig a little deeper into what you can do about that. Um, and then, you know, the follicular phase is when energy starts to pick up. Um, and we, yeah, we just, we have a little bit more energy, although our recovery can be a little bit harder, um, in the gym, meaning like we, you can get a little bit more sore, um, during this phase because of the fluctuations of your hormones. And then, um, estrogen is rising during this phase. So that's why we also estrogen and testosterone are both rising during this phase leading up to ovulation. And, um, then after ovulation occurs, that's when progesterone becomes the star of the show. Progesterone is the rest, the rest and relax hormone that is, you know, necessary to carry a baby and to have a healthy cycle. So if you, you're not producing enough progesterone, which can happen if you are very, very stressed, um, then you're, you know, you may experience, uh, like if you're someone who's trying to conceive, you may experience miscarriages or, you know, if you, or that's when you experience lots of PMS symptoms, if you have too much estrogen, not enough progesterone in the, in the luteal phase. So by understanding all of this, then you can kind of begin to recognize patterns in your own body. And like I said, pay attention to how you feel, not necessarily how you're supposed to feel in a specific phase of your cycle, because there's also the nuances of, well, did you sleep enough yesterday? Did you eat enough this morning? And there's a lot of variables that can play into it. So that's why always, always, always focus on how you feel first before just saying, all right, well, I'm in my, um, ovulatory phase. So I'm going to go hard in the gym. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very important, reminder for us women, because I mean, I, I know just in my client base is like, well, tell me what to do. Like, what's exactly do I need to follow this structure? 
and then I'll follow it to, to a T no matter what. But what I'm really hearing you say is that, you know, it's all about actually your individual body literacy. And are you in tune with how you are feeling in the different phases of your cycle? And are you actually listening to what your body wants and needs, uh, depending on your goals? Um, and that through which, you know, we can keep the stress levels down, we can keep our hormones happy, and we can reach the goals that we want physically and in strength uh, through this body literacy. And I, that's one of my biggest proponents in my work is like, you need to know your body and what does your body want? What my body wants is different than what your body wants, Tamara. And um, yeah, so I just think it's yeah very important for the women to hear that. Um, you know, you, I imagine have work, you know, you've been in the fitness industry, what you said, like eight years, uh, you've had your own experience, you've worked with many different women over all different walks of life. I'm curious, what ways do you see women working out or like approaching physical exercise that are detrimental that you would want to maybe call women out on right now? Be like, this is something that you probably shouldn't be doing anymore if you want for if you want like whole body well-being. Yes. So I am not a huge fan of HIT workouts. That's the number one thing. HIT workouts, they they have a time and a place, but I think that women who do HIT workouts do them all the time. And that's like their primary form of exercise. And typically for at least for the women that I work with, I've mentioned stress a lot. And so we have to think of like you're you have a stress bucket and it can only hold so much water before it overflows and starts causing problems. Exercise is a type of stress on the body, although it is a positive thing and it, it can it can be positive, but it can also be detrimental. So if you are someone who is, you know, maybe you're very type A or you own your own business or you are high up on the corporate ladder or even you're just a, a, a single mom and you just have a lot of work to do, or you're just very stressed. Um, we need to be able to remove things from the stress bucket and not add to it. And so HIIT workouts can just be very stressful for the body. Um, another thing would be uh, eating or working out on an empty stomach is very, very stressful for the body as well. And not only that, but it's just not a an intelligent way to approach your your goals because you you need food for energy. Food is literally where we get our energy from. Um, and so if you're eating on an empty stomach, you're just not providing your body with the energy that it could thrive off of to have an even better workout. So that's another thing. Um, this isn't really as related to exercise, but drinking coffee on an empty stomach is very, very bad for our adrenals, our hormones as well, um, and our stress levels. So, and also skipping breakfast. So making sure that you're having breakfast, you know, pretty soon after waking up is a big, big thing that I stress to a lot of my clients because not only does it impact our stress levels, but it also impacts our blood sugar and our blood sugar impacts our hormones. So um, if you have a nice balanced breakfast with protein and healthy fats and complex carbs, you know, you're going to set yourself up for a day of minimal cravings and sustained energy and be able to have, you know, really good workouts. Um, another thing would be 
something that I see a, a lot more of like beginner weightlifters do is supersetting every exercise. So a superset is when you do one exercise and then you immediately follow it up with another exercise without resting in between the exercises. And it's not that you can't ever do supersets, but um, they shouldn't be every single exercise that you do. They should maybe be like one or, you know, take phases where you do supersets and other phases where you don't do supersets. So resting enough in between your exercise sets at the gym is really, um, important. Um, trying to think and see if I can think of any more. Yeah. Well, a a little question based on that. How long should you be waiting or resting in between sets at the gym? It also, um, depends on your goals. So if you're focusing on, uh, strength, um, then you would want to rest like maybe two to three minutes in between each set, because then your body's going to feel like, okay, I can fully handle a lot of weight again, because I'm focusing on strength, right? So lifting heavy, heavy. Um, whereas if your goal is more endurance focus, maybe just one minute in between each set, um, because then you, your heart has to work a little harder. You're, you know, not resting as much. Your endurance is going to pick up. So it's it like what your goals are during that specific phase of your training is important. Okay. But and I, I wouldn't say else. anything less than, sorry, but I wouldn't say anything less than like 60 seconds in between each set, unless you're doing a superset, which would be mm. no, no rest between. Mm. That's good for me to know personally. <laughs> um, I also have a question around cardio. Um, you know, oh yes, cardio. Didn't like, even touch much on that. <laughs> well, like, you know, I, I, I don't go to the gym as much right now, just because I've been pregnant and I'm approaching movement differently. But when I am at the gym, I do see some women just like hit the elliptical hard for like an hour and a half or, you know, running full bore on the treadmill until, you know, they look like they're going to drop dead. And yeah, I'm just curious your thoughts on that, because I've been hearing different things about like, don't focus as much on cardio, focus on weight lifting, but maybe you have a different perspective. My favorite form of cardio is walking. And I think that everyone can walk and it won't be harmful for your hormones. Um, If you're walking at a leisurely pace with your heart rate, you know, between like 90 and 120 beats per minute, that is like, definitely go for it. You can walk as much as you want. That's amazing. Um, Higher intensity cardio for extended periods of time. It's kind of like the same thing as hit where it can end up, you know, adding to that stress bucket and we don't want it to overflow. So I think it also depends on the person, their goals and their genetics too. Cause some, some women, you know, can run a lot more or, or do a lot more cardio and not be as impacted. So I would encourage you to like, if you are experiencing hormonal issues, definitely pulling back on the cardio and doing more lower intensity cardio is, um, definitely the move at least a temporary temporarily until your hormones do get more balanced. Then you can try to add it in a little bit more and reevaluate your symptoms and how your body responds to that. Um, and reevaluate, you know, your, your labs, your blood work, see how everything goes after adding in higher intensity cardio. So it's not that you can't ever do it, but it might need to be cut back drastically or 
temporarily removed if you are on a hormone healing journey and experiencing like negative symptoms. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like whenever, you know, young women. And when I was younger, it's like, when you think about working out, you just think about doing cardio and, um, like there, I don't know if this is as prevalent today, but like we had this belief like, oh, I don't want to get like bulky and big if I lift weights. And clearly from what you're saying is that, you know, muscle on women is actually good and it's good for our hormones and it's good for our metabolism and um, maybe getting a little round peach butt is actually exactly <laughs> what we need, right? <laughs> yes. I think that the bulky mindset, like the, that fear, that myth, it, it's a myth and it, um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely being eradicated more. I do sometimes hear it, but <clears throat> like when I first started coaching, <clears throat> excuse me, um, three years ago, I've been in my fitness journey for eight years, by the way, but I've been a coach for three. Um, and so when I first started coaching a lot more women would be like, like I tell them you need to stop doing as much hit and you need to lift more weights and you need to eat more food. And they would be like, you're crazy. No, I'm going to get bulky. I'm going to gain weight or I'm going to get fat. I should say not necessarily gain weight. Cause we're trying to change that mindset, right? <laughs> Gaining weight can be a good thing. Um, and so now it's way less than that. Now I'm like, I want to build now. I hear women say, almost every woman that I talk to that wants to join my program, they're like, I want to build muscle. I want to get stronger. And maybe that's because that's like who I'm marketing towards, or maybe it's just generally more understood that weightlifting will not make you bulky. I think also social media has actually helped a lot in that, in that sense, like seeing other women lifting weights all the time and doing it regularly for years and years and years and seeing how much it has helped their bodies and improved their lives and their confidence, um, it, it helps to change that narrative. So I don't think that's as common anymore, um, but it definitely was prevalent. And I think it's a little bit more prevalent too in, in older generations too. Like if I, I speak with like women who are maybe in their like 40s or 50s and they think that more than younger women. Right. Right. Well, I'm grateful for the change in the culture. Me too. Um, you know, I have one more question for you before I, you know, ask you to share where people can find your amazing work. Um, you know, what are just some beginning tips you have for women who want to start thinking about like cycle syncing their movement and exercise or who want to start moving towards a fitness journey that perhaps they've been feeling a little trepid about and they don't know where or how to begin. Yeah. So I think the first step is to really define your goals and like prior, like your priorities, what is important to you? Because, you know, I, if you really value flexibility and balance that needs to be taken into account into your plan for accomplishing your goals. And you also have to be clear about what your goals are so you know what direction to take. So once you're clear about your goals and what is important to you, um, then I mean, I've always been a huge proponent in coaches because they have a lot more knowledge and experience and training than, you know, you might at the start of your journey. And I myself have invested in so many fitness coaches for different reasons or coaches just in general in life, business coaches, um, you know, 
therapy too, mindset coaches. Um, but I would say hire a coach because it's going to help you get 10 times farther, faster and learn what you need to learn for your specific journey rather than trying to guess and waste time doing that. I wasted so much time, years of my fitness journey, guessing and trying to figure out what I was going to do before fitness coaches on Instagram were even a thing. And when they became a thing, I hired one and I made more progress mentally and physically with that coach in like four months than I did in the past, like two years before that. So that I would be, I would say is the next step, but also do your research, you know, know your goals, know your priorities and hire someone who aligns with that because, you know, it wouldn't make sense for me or let's say somebody who wants to heal their hormones and like have a positive relationship with food. You're not going to hire a bodybuilding coach, right? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. They can, they have abs and like, they'll, you know, like they look good and, but you know, they're probably going to be like a no excuses, no days off in the gym, 24 seven. You're, if you're not, you know, working hard enough, it's your fault. Like (laughs) that's very different than, you know, the, the goals that you have and the mindset you want to embody during your fitness journey. So that would be my advice for a very, a beginner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you so much for that. Well, Tamara, I've loved speaking with you and I feel even more inspired to, you know, go deeper in my fitness journey, even though I'm in my own other sort of body journey, but I'm thinking about like (laughs) postpartum and whatnot. Um, I would love for you to share where people can find you and how to learn more about your work and reach out if they would like. Yeah. So I don't have a website. I just do everything on Instagram pretty much. So my Instagram is fit.coach.tam, T-A-M. And I also have a TikTok, but I don't post anymore. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> maybe don't follow that one. Um, but I have an Instagram and that's the the main point of where you can reach me, find me, see what I'm all about. Great. Well, I will definitely link that in the show notes and thank you so much for being on the cervical wellness podcast. I really am feeling that this conversation will inspire women to, you know, think about their fitness and healing journey in a new way to think about how hormones and metabolism and our differences in the phases of our cycle all play a role in how we are with movement and exercise in the, in the gym. And I'm just so grateful for your work. So thank you so much for being here, Tamara. Thank you so much for having me. I've absolutely loved it. I feel like I've even learned stuff about myself on this podcast too. And I hope all the listeners really enjoyed it. And yeah, if anyone has any questions for me, you can DM me on Instagram. I always welcome that. Amazing. All right. Talk to you soon, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today, friends. If you want more cervical wellness information and content, check out my website, cervicalwellness.com, or give us a follow over on Instagram at cervicalwellness. Please share this episode if it felt right and true for you. And until next time, friends, remember, we've got this.